the most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saving the greatest country in the world is not a short-term proposition, folks. We can save this great nation, but it's going to take all of us. Why? Because we are America. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. Welcome, one and all, the third hour of the Herman Cain Show, and I'm not Herman Cain. Eric Erickson here. I have a regular show at 5 p.m. on Herman's flagship station, WSB, where I'll be again this afternoon. But for now, I'm doing double duty here with Herman and joining me as he does every time, every day this hour, Jamie Dupree. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good. How about yourself? Excellent, excellent. We uh, sort of had a little fire lit here on the floor of the Senate, just downstairs from where I sit up here in the rafters of the Capitol. A little while ago, Senator Ted Cruz went to the floor and... Um, I'll trot out things that I normally wouldn't say. Um, you know, a stunning kind of speech, an extraordinary scene on the floor. As yeah, no kidding. Cruz, you know, this is not new language for Cruz. He has he has roundly attacked his own leaders and, and I think, excited his followers by doing uh, that thing since he's come here to the Congress. But he stood on the floor of the Senate and accused the Senate Majority Leader, who was not there at the time, of lying to him about an issue that some people know something about. That's the, the reauthorization of what's called the Export-Import Bank. Cruz alleges, and I think a lot of people looked at the, there was a vote that went on back in, I think it was May or June, in May, I think, on the Trade Promotion Authority legislation. And a group of Democrats withheld their votes for it and then ultimately voted for it to advance the bill. And a lot of people uh, sort of mumbled afterward that, well, a deal was cut where they were assured they would get a vote on the Export-Import Bank. Cruz maintains that McConnell, Senator McConnell, the majority leader, told him no, there was no deal cut on that. And um, uh, that uh, basically now by pushing for a vote on that issue uh, as soon as this weekend, McConnell has lied to his fellow senators and lied to Cruz directly. Now, some would look at this speech that Cruz has sort of been out of the center of the conversation in recent weeks. His poll numbers have dropped a whole bunch. <laughs> yep. Uh, as low as like 3 and 4% in some polls now that Donald Trump has made his jump up. So uh, there are some that sort of look at this and wonder whether it's an effort by Cruz to get back on the radar. I mean, yesterday, uh, I've got one channel right in front of me, Eric, here, that has the floor of the House, the floor of the Senate, CNBC and then CNN, Fox News and MSNBC. So it's all on one channel. So you can conveniently sort of pay attention to everything that's going on. And yesterday at one point, right across the bottom where all the news networks were, every single one of them was live with Donald Trump walking down the steps right. of his plane with the big Trump banner emblazoned behind him as he arrived in he Laredo. He got more press coverage going to Laredo than the president did. Yeah. And, and so right now, I can understand that there might be Republicans who feel sort of frustrated that they're not getting the attention that Trump is getting right now. Whether he deserves it or not is not the issue. He's getting it, period, end of sentence. And I see he's going to have a rally tomorrow in Oskaloosa, Iowa, where I've de definitely been before when I've been in the Hawkeye State. And I would assume that'll be another big event for him there. 
I think everybody's still waiting to see here what happens to Trump's numbers. Yeah, I think everybody's waiting to see what happens to Trump's numbers, too. And my sense is the more they attack him, the the stronger he gets uh, with a lot of the Republican base who are so frustrated with Republicans in Washington. You've got the Pew poll that came out that shows that an 18 percentage point decline in Republicans liking the Republican Party. And when you look at the underlying numbers, it's the conservatives who are the ones who are disenchanted. Yeah, and I think yesterday, to me, was very instructive along those lines because... When the story came out about Trump maybe going independent and doing a third-party bid for president, which the polling data clearly shows would probably lead to a Democratic victory, there were no voices to be heard up in D.C. saying, no, don't do that, don't do that. They just left it alone. It was yeah. almost like they acted like they just hit the delete key and right. pretended that it didn't exist for the day. There yeah, was- you know, i got to tell you, so we've invited Trump to our red state gathering. Now he's going to come um, not during the, the main speeches, but on Saturday night we're doing a party at the College Football Hall fame in Atlanta and Trump's going to be there and I reached out to his folks yesterday and said my website's rule is conservative in the primary Republican in the general and if you're going third party we need to rethink this um, and um, we're, we're, we're discussing this we'll no see kidding really yeah. I, I am I'm just I'm I'm if Trump wants to go third party I think that hurts him with a lot of people because even the evangelicals that I talk to who like Trump they're like you know Scalia Thomas they're getting up there you know, and, and this is what I always say to both parties. You can be mad at your own party or think it's not going in the right direction. But, I, you know, the age-old thing, do you want to agree on 95% or do you want to agree on about 0%? And especially when it comes to the U.S. Supreme Court, we're going to have a tipping point here pretty soon, If uh, especially if the Democrats get another four years in office, where you could conceivably have. I mean, we haven't seen, we've seen Supreme Court fights. Right. But we haven't seen the Supreme Court fight over going from five to four more conservative majority to a five to four liberal majority. That would be a fight for the ages. Yeah. And, you know, look, if Trump wants to go third party, he could certainly be a force. The poll number that was out this week envisioned a Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, Donald Trump race. And it was 46 for Clinton, 30 for Jeb, and 20 for Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, you can argue, well, that just shows if you get the right candidate, you could put those Trump and Bush numbers. Yeah, but even if that was Scott Walker in the middle there, I think Trump would still have a significant number. And it would drain away, and it wouldn't be draining away from Hillary Clinton. I don't think Donald Trump takes votes away from Hillary Clinton if she's getting 46 in a poll. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Hillary, you got the New York Times story out today that two inspectors general have asked the Justice Department to investigate the email situation. This is really interesting because overnight, the New York Times sort of altered its story, but the still the, the basic gist of it is still there. The inspectors general have asked the Justice Department to look at whether, and it seems like it has, whether sensitive government information was mishandled in connection with her personal email account. She assured everybody when she said she was turning over these emails that there was no information in there that was classified, and she didn't do that. But then, when we got emails released by the State Department, uh, the two batches that we've had so far, there are things blacked out that were done not for Freedom of Information Act requirements, but because that there supposedly was classified material in them. Now, as, as usual, when they tell me that stuff is classified most of the time, Eric, to me, it's not very important. I think sometimes they over-classify stuff. But regardless, this is still a pretty big deal. I mean, it's mid, mid to late July, and this email thing is still bubbling along. Yeah. And on the 31st, it's a Friday, unfortunately, we'll get the next batch of Hillary Clinton emails. On August the 31st, a Monday, we'll get the next batch. You know, we're going to do that end of the every month from here on out until the drip, end of drip, January drip, drip. of yeah. next year. Yeah. And so there'll be another batch that'll come out. Now, don't get 
get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is going to bring her down or anything, but I do think it's just one of those things that won't go away. And the Clinton people are trying to push back very hard and undercut the New York Times all they can. It's a reminder uh, the the news media not liked universally by the Clinton team. Yeah, it, not liked, and, and also it, it, I think it's a reminder you, you've got a certain pylon coming back at the New York Times. For example, that the kids over at Vox, you got Jonathan Allen who worked for Debbie Wasserman Schultz for a while, coming out and said, "Oh, it's just the New York Times hates Hillary Clinton," and and I don't know that that plays over too well with, with a whole lot of people either. Um, it just it, I just I can't believe that someone and, and you know. It, I'm not going to use the dumb or the stupid thing, as, as so many people do. She's a smart, smart woman. And to have done what she did, it just, it's got to leave you scratching your head. Well, I, I'm done, I don't scratch my head. I, I look at this from the point of view of a reporter who files Freedom of Information Act requests. You know, I, I can't prove this, but what it seems to me is that the Clinton uh, team decided to do this for a reason, to to keep things in their possession why else would you set up your own server and you know that, that and they got what they wanted until there was another investigation that finally un- i mean look at how long yeah, it took true. to find true. this out and then look we have a series of foia requests that are in the courts and the federal judge in one of them the other day was absolutely trashing the state department demanding to know why they're dragging their feet on so much stuff and it's a reminder just you get that bureaucracy slow moving and you know again i'm i don't think it's the end of the world for her or anything like yeah. that but it's just out there and it hasn't gone away as yet okay i got to shift gears on you to iran because i mean let's be real honest there's no stopping it no i don't think that and i don't think there ever was the the only thing you know and i hear a lot of people complaining oh you know this was a sellout this corker bill it was ridiculous well you know what if you didn't pass the corker bill you would have had no review by the Congress. None whatsoever. There would have been no requirement for them for any 60-day, 30-day period or whatever. So this was the best, really, that the Republicans could get. Uh, do they have a chance to get the necessary two-thirds supermajority in the House and Senate to stop this? Yeah, I have a chance of winning the lottery. You know, that's, <laughs> it's about the same chance. And But at the same time, I think that the Republicans will be able to use this to put the administration on the record on a number of things that otherwise might just, you know, sort of get the back of the hand. Now, one thing I would say, and this was brought up yesterday by Senator Marco Rubio in the hearing, and, and I thought it was very interesting to hear this because it's a reminder of the limits of the power of the president. This is not a treaty. This is an executive agreement. We've been through this many times. Mm -hmm. Executive agreements have become much more numerous since World War II and FDR, and treaties have gone down. Because of that, it is not binding on the next administration. I mean, the next administration, theoretically, if it were a Republican, could walk in and rip it up if they wanted to, or move to, you know, say, I, I don't agree but with it, that. But they could do that, but if the United Nations is getting rid of the sanctions regime, they're kind of left with nothing. You are correct. That it, it, It's not the whole thing. You are absolutely right. But it also is a reminder that they can do the same thing, a new administration, yeah. to stop the executive actions of the president on immigration. Same kind of thing. Those are executive actions. They're not in force of law. And this is, I'll circle back and tie the ribbon on this. This is why I always look at both parties and wonder, why are you fighting each other so much? I, I don't get this. Because if the Republicans could win, 
in 2016, they will have the ability to do a lot more than they have now. I think, uh, I still think, and I know this is uh, not a popular opinion, but the thought that somehow the Republicans being in charge of only the House or both the House and Senate, that they would be able to drive the sort of the agenda of the Obama administration is is a it just doesn't work that way. We do not have co-equal branches of government. We never have. I, I, even the founding fathers may have intended it that way. It has never been that way. And we've got the five kings up there in the marble palace. The executive branch is the chief. Period. End of sentence. It's got the Anthony power. Anthony Kennedy would beg to differ with you on that. Well, Jamie yes, <laughs> but they've got the, they've got the power to do a lot of stuff in the Congress. You know, yeah. it's sort of there. And really, the biggest and most important election is for president. And if you can't come together on it, then you're going to be out in the way. I, I, uh, the lesson, I will say real quick, that I was taught when I first came up here. I remember being shocked hearing Democrats say, hey, you know, it's a good thing that Jimmy Carter lost to Reagan. That Carter, he was, you know, he was useless. This Reagan guy's useless. We'll get rid of him in the next election. Mm-hmm. And I would think to myself, why would, why would you do that? Right. And then 12 years later, they finally got back in power. <laughs> but that's how long it took. That, that is a very good analogy. I've heard similar things. Jamie Dupree, always insightful. Thank you so See much. You, Eric. Have a great weekend. All right, folks, when we come back, I, I, there's some details breaking about this uh, shooter in um, in Louisiana, including the fact that he apparently had lived in Carroll County, Georgia. My, my wife is from Carroll County, Georgia, uh, near the Alabama line, perpetrated various acts of family violence, according to members of his family, manic depression, bipolar disorder, history of mental health issues, uh, history of violence, uh, his wife had filed for divorce, had a protective order against him, all sorts of stuff breaking. Also got your phone calls as well, and history. We have to deal with it. Eric Erickson in for Herman Cain. When you're listening to Herman Cain, Herman Cain, you won't miss any breaking news, and you'll never miss out on a single solution for a better America. Herman Cain is on Coast to Coast. We have an enemy in this country that you may not even know we have an enemy of, and I will explain when we come back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.